everybody. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast with your host, Russell Martin and Brent Aiken. We are glad you are joining us today, and we hope you find this conversation helpful, insightful, and encouraging as you continue to lead your students in ministry. Before we get started, we want to remind you, check us out on social media at TalkStudentMen on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, our website, studentministryconversations.org. We're excited today because we're going to hear a conversation that Brent had with Caleb Davis. Uh, And Caleb is the founder of something called Simply Love Jesus, which works to teach people about evangelism and to answer the question, what does it take to simply love Jesus? So, Brent, this was your conversation. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, so today I sit down with Caleb Davis, and Caleb is the founder of Simply Love Jesus, um, which is a website um, that he does, and he speaks at different groups and different camps and retreats all over the country. Um, And then he's also written a book under the same title. And so he sits down with me today to talk about evangelism. And we're going to talk about evangelism from two different um, viewpoints. First off, we're going to talk about us as the leader, um, how to better evangelize and how to work on our own processes when it comes to um, bringing the gospel to students. But then also we're going to flip the script and we're going to talk about how we can equip and encourage students to be the ones that are bringing the gospel to their friends, their schools, and the community around them as well. It's a great conversation and I can't wait for y'all to hear it. Well, we can't wait to hear it either. So without any further delay, here is Brent's conversation with Caleb Davis. Hey guys, welcome back to Student Ministry Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Brent Aiken, and I am sitting down today with Caleb Davis. And so Ooh. Caleb is, and uh, man, you have a unique uh, kind of get up going right now. So I'm not going to even <laughs> jump into who you are. I just want you, I'm going to give you the floor right away and let you kind of uh, tell about yourself, tell what you do and everything in between. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, first off, man, so excited to be on here. So excited to just have this conversation with you. Uh, really, really been looking forward to this. Uh, just again, a little bit about me. I run a nonprofit ministry called Simply Love Jesus, where we are all about helping influence and inspire people to live a life that starts and revolves around loving Jesus. And so how do we do that? Uh, through a multiple amount of ways, but the primary way is that here in Atlanta, we are trying to create a community of young adults from diverse different churches and uniting them to love God and love people. Uh, so for example, April 23rd, uh, we are going to try to re- unite about 100 college students from different churches to go walk through the city of Atlanta, sending them in groups of three to five to just go pray for people and sending them out to go pray for people, connecting them together for different churches Um, And then another way that we do that is we create content resources um, designed to simplify the complicated issues of life and faith. Uh, So through our YouTube or our podcast, uh, books, devotionals, so on and so forth. Um, And then for all the youth pastor friends listening, I was also a youth youth pastor for a good long time, was have been in youth ministry for about 12 years at this point um, and was a youth pastor down here in Georgia and then up there in up in Des Moines, Iowa, um, and then transitioned out to be an author and and run this ministry. So I'm super excited about it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It depends what you want to know about me. You know? <laughs> oh, I, uh, I think I lost your audio real quick. Oh, you're muted. That's what yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but no, that's, that's awesome. Um, it's, it's cool. Uh, what you do, it's cool that you kind of started in student ministry before you kind of took this branch on to other things. Yeah. Um, family, 
married kids? yes no not married bachelor to the rapture until the lord says otherwise um so bachelor uh, to the rapture man that, uh, that might be a quote there it is i want to write a book about it one day it'll be fun but um so but no not not married yet hopefully one day um but you know that's all in the lord's timing i got a twin brother uh, and despite my beautiful brown skin complexion, I'm actually half Puerto Rican. So that's something I'm very proud about. Um, and so now I got a brother, parents, love them very much. And uh, just hanging with my friends. That's my life. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I love that um, you run Simply Love Jesus um, because that's kind of in large ways you do what the conversation is about on a daily basis. Um, mm. And so today we're talking about evangelism. Um, And so evangelism is very central to the core of Christianity. I mean, honestly, it's not something um, that we can really like do without. Um, And it has a lot of importance, but how often do we go about it in ways that might not be the most effective? Yeah. Well, I love this. I love that's the first question because I mean, it's one I'm definitely very passionate about. Um, And sorry for my voice. If those who either have heard me talk on my podcast or whatever, you'll, you'll notice my voice sounds a little bit more raspy. I haven't been smoking or anything like that. It's literally, I've got allergies and it literally is destroying me, which by the way, I don't, (laughs) if you live in the South and you have the opportunity to move up to the Midwest, you know, Godspeed. But if you do that, don't move back to the South because here's what happened. <laughs> Literally, like I grew up around pollen and I, I was fine. Like I was, I didn't have bad allergies or whatever. I moved to Iowa for like three years, came back and it's like the death of me right now. <laughs> I hate it so much. But so anyways, so my voice sounds a little like off to you. That's it. But uh, going back to your question though, it's, a topic I'm very passionate about because a lot of what I do for my ministry, it's not even like an intentional target audience, but just by us, just by what we do in nature, we tend to serve a lot of people who are hopeful about Jesus, but their drawback is the church and their drawback is their, their experiences where they, for lack of better words, have been burned by the church. Um, and so it's because of working with these types of people that I have begun to see some of the types of, uh, evangelistic methods that people have in America that have created these kinds of problems. Um, and so one of the most common ways that we, uh, one of the ways that is the least effective for evangelism is like when you have people on that street corner, just like, you know, with their picket signs and, you know, I believe in Jesus, you're, you're going to burn. Like, I don't know, like that, that kind of stuff creates more harm than it does good. And the good is few and far between. And along the way, you're creating a lot of collateral damage. Um, and so that's definitely one of the, the biggest ways. And I'm just very passionate because I just don't like those people, but so maybe I'm biased, but it's, it's something that I've just seen how much damage it has done to people, students. I don't know a single person in my entire life who has been positively impacted by that kind of, a, of street preaching, if you want to call it that. Um, and so along with that, you know, it not only is that not effective, but a lot of things that we kind of do when it comes to evangelism isn't, uh, isn't necessarily effective. One of the things that I write about in my book is that people want to know that you care before they want to know what you care about. And 
we so often in our church, maybe it is entitlement, maybe it's just because that's the way we're raised, whatever the case may be, we have this bad habit of telling people what we care about before showing them that we actually care. Um, that can be done yeah. through these little pamphlets that we want to hand out, these little quote unquote gospel tracks. No idea who came up with that idea. And they just hand that stuff out. It could be street preachers. It could even just be a parent who is trying to talk to their kid who doesn't believe in Jesus. And we're going to church because I should show like these little things, what you say matters, what you do matters. The moment you choose to identify with Jesus, your thoughts and your actions and your words are not just willy nilly. Everything has weight and you have to really consider your thoughts and your actions and your words, because they are a reflection of Jesus, whether you like it or not. Um, and you can't separate that. You can't say, well, that's me, but this is no. If you, if you're, if you choose to present Jesus badly, if you choose to kind of have a bad attitude and, you know, I, I was with one of my friends, Aaron, um, and we were at this, uh, we were at, where were we? We were at a restaurant. Uh, we went to Olive Garden. Yeah. Went to Olive Garden. And there was this, this family that was sitting like two booths away and this dad I don't even want to know what kind of guy he is at home because based on what he was at the restaurant, he was very abusive and he was yelling at his kids, all this stuff. And he, he started blowing up. And I don't even know exactly what he was blowing up about, but he starts like interchanging, talking about like, you know, they have to like listen to their mom or whatever. And he's cussing them out. And then these waitresses come by and like, sir, we need you to calm down a little bit. And he literally goes, no, no, I'm sorry. It's these kids. We, we got, you gotta be praying for them. Cause these kids, I'm like, what? <laughs> like he's sitting there talking about like, you know, praying for these kids and going to church and all this stuff. And yet he's literally on the verge of like beating some people. And it's just like yeah. that, like that's going to scar these kids for the rest of their life. And they yeah. are probably scared of that person imagine what their view of god will be like so i say all that to say it evangelism as we said is the central to the core of christianity but ways that are not effective are the methods that we use that put um how do i want to word this the message when, when our methods put the message before our compassion uh and what I mean by that is when we want to tell people about Jesus before we show them who Jesus is, before we show yeah. them the love of God and we tell them about the love of God and we expect for them to just go and find it for themselves somewhere. Um, so I hope, hopefully that answers your question a little bit. Yeah, no. And I, I think even what you said at the beginning, I think you can kind of uh, boil it to the nature of like, you know, when we put what we care about in front of who we care for, that's the mm. problem. That's yeah. the problem that we're facing. And I, I have definitely um, seen the people with the pickets. Um, and like, uh, they're obviously just one branch of bad evangelism. Um, but mm. it's, it's unfortunately one of the most like out there because like when they are out, like everybody knows. Everybody um, sees them. Everybody knows. Like, yeah. I was at a Justin Bieber concert and this guy outside was just going on and on and on about how like nobody who steps in there is a Christian. They're all worshiping the devil in their sinful ways. And granted, I don't think Justin Bieber is like, is Jesus incarnate or anything like that. But 
if he had actually gone to the concert, the very first thing I put on my Instagram story, the very first thing that you saw on that concert started with this video that Justin Bieber had made. And the whole, literally the whole thing was the gospel. The whole thing was literally him saying, he was like, I've made my mistakes, but I've been saved by a savior who wants to liberate you from your brokenness. He wants to liberate you from your pain. He wants to liberate yeah. you when you believe in Jesus, the son of God. I was like, holy man, this guy preaching. And so it was, yeah. it was awesome. And so this, it, it goes into so many facets of life, even the way that we pastor students, because if we're not careful, even as pastors, if we become the kinds of people who are so focused on saying what's evil about the world, what's evil about culture, like you don't watch this, go, don't go on TikTok, don't do these things. And we're trying to micromanage a kid's life there. It's, it will also create a skewed view of who God is. And yeah. you have to be so careful on who you want to present Jesus as and not be so distracted by your frustrations with the, with the evil that you see in the world. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that really kind of boils into our next question of, um, as this is primarily built and geared towards people in ministry and especially student pastors, um, what does evangelism need to look like in our context? Because like you just said, there's, we have this really, really fine line that if we, if we don't present the gospel in a way that is compassionate and loving, and it's more condoning and more uh, like we're offended by their actions and their responses, then more than likely, we're not going to get to see them again. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And to really clarify, I mean, I communicate, I communicate very, um, with our ministry is very simple. That's part of our brand is simplicity. And so, uh, one of the jokes that our staff team makes is that they, they all constantly make fun of me over the fact that our brand is called simply love Jesus, but, uh, I'm the most complex thinking person they know. Uh, and so when I think about what evangelism needs to look like in our context it's not just um like based on my feelings or just based on you know things that i see around me it's actually based deeply on deep studies of scripture and historical context and all of these things and so I'll, I'll take you a little bit of a journey to kind of answer this question and hopefully by taking you on this journey it will it will kind of uh make sense a little bit to what i think that context needs to look like so we saw in, in Jesus's day, a lot of people, when they talk about preaching the gospel, they tend to just look at the Bible and just take it at face value. And they see, you know, Peter, um, Peter standing before the people and saying, no, they're not drunk. They're filled with the spirit. Like, you know, this is the word. And then he goes on and does this whole sermon and 3000 people get saved. Um, or we see Jesus and he goes and preaches into the crowds and we see all these things. But what we fail to take into account is the fact that uh, their culture really mattered and the context of where they sat in their culture mattered. So Jesus, yes, Jesus went and preached to crowds, but Jesus was an influential rabbi by that point in his ministry. By the time he had started his ministry, he wasn't just a nobody who just jumped onto the scene. It says in Luke, in the book of Luke, it says that God, Jesus gained favor, favor with God and man. And Jesus, he became a, he was a, they were referred to him as a rabbi. Uh, different Pharisees referred to him as rabbi. That means that he had some level of schooling, which is a whole nother thing to talk about. Like, that's what, like, what did that look like? We don't know, but we, we'll never know. But the reality is Jesus took the time 
to build influence. And so by the time he's going and speaking to the crowds, he already has authority. Peter, when he's speaking in front of the Jewish people, he has um, influence because of his association with Jesus, because he's a disciple of a very well-known rabbi. Um, but then on top of that, he's also a Jewish person. He, he is with them already. Um, and so Paul, when he goes to the to the Aragopagus, that was the place for the most world-class philosophers in the world. You didn't just show up. You were invited. You were not, you didn't just get to show up to this thing. You, you had to, you had to have some street cred to get up in there. And so yeah. Paul, he did have that cred. He did have that. He was smart. He was intelligent. Um, and so when we look at evangelism, the reality is they met the context and they shaped the message of Jesus to make sure that it was received well. And so often we think that just preaching Jesus is about just throwing stuff and hoping it lands. You know, you're just, uh, you're just, you're, it's like throwing darts blindfolded and just hoping it, it hits something. Like yeah. that's not how it's not darts. You got you're casting seeds. If you're casting seeds, you know, Jesus uses the parable of the sower. If you're a farmer and you're casting seed, you got a lot of things you're thinking about. What kind of soil am I throwing this seed on? Is it ready to receive a seed? Is it, you know, is it going to be prepared for when the rain falls? Like all of these things you're thinking about as a farmer. And so when you, when we are um, teaching the gospel, we have to put our own context in the situation. We have to be shepherds of the people. That's what a pastor is, is a shepherd. Uh, the reality is you have to think of it like a shepherd. So when you're going and you're talking to students or you're talking to homeless people, I, I spent um, a, a couple of years living in Chicago when I was going to Bible college and I would preach every single week to over a thousand homeless men at this, uh, this really cool little uh, shelter. Um, and so when you go and you preach to homeless men or teenagers or adults, you have to consider where is this person at and how does that change my approach? Um, and then as a larger context, where are the people of America? Where, what do the people of America need? You know, when I look at young adults around this nation, one thing is abundantly clear, especially after 2020, young adults are lonely. They need yeah. community. So if I want to make sure that I'm preaching the good news of God's kingdom, I need to make sure that it's going to be received as good news. So how do I set up that good news? Well, for example, after our prayer event that we have in April, starting in May, we are partnering with this new or this new business called the Union Fitness Center. It's a holistic health center. They've got like a gym and they've got a co-working space and a smoothie bar, all sorts of cool stuff. And I heard their vision and what they're wanting to do. And I sat down with them. I was like, hey, love what you're doing. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we want to do. We want to create a space for young adults to come and be united and for young adults to come together and fellowship, meet other believers from other churches and celebrate how they're being good news in their community. So they were like, perfect. We're new. You're new. Let's let's make something happen. So they're going to host our events and we're going to create this space for young adults to just find community, to just come and meet other people, to be able to just come and hang out and have a good time and not feel like they're just going to another church service, but they're going to a place where they can socialize and share about themselves and they can hear how other young believers are being good news into their community. In that context, now we're being good news. We are fulfilling a need for the people. They need community. They're lonely. Let's help them find intimate community that they feel loved and treasured. And when they have that, now we have become good news. And when I want to share what I care about, what I care about and how I think we should live as Christians, they'll be more receptive to hear that. Um, when I, I was living in Iowa, 
Um, and I'm using a lot of personal examples just to show you not to like make me sound how cool I am, but just to show you that like it works. <laughs> like I've done this and this is how it works for me. So hopefully it may work for you. When I was living in Iowa, um, I moved up there to be a youth pastor and there was a, there was a pub right across the street from my apartment. And so I wanted to do personal ministry on my own time outside of just doing church, um, church work. I wanted to go out and do something on my own, um, just to, you know, do my due diligence. And so I decided to make friendships at this little pub and these waitresses. And I started seeing needs there where they're hungry. They're being overworked like crazy. So what do I do? I showed up at 12 AM midnight on the busiest night of the week for them with free tacos for all the employees. And I just showed up and just gave out free tacos, all these people. And they they had no idea I was a pastor. They had no idea what I did for a job. They just knew me as the taco guy. But over the course of a year, as I started investing in their lives and then they were like, Oh wait, you're a pastor. Like, yeah, yeah. You didn't know that. No, 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 no. I got so many questions and we got to have so many caught. And there's so many people who got saved because of my personal relationships with those people. And they were able to hear it because I chose to be good news to them first and show them that I cared about them. Um, So I say all that to say um, evangelism in our own context needs to meet the needs of the people first. It needs to be good news if we really want it to be evangelism. If we want to be the Evangelion, we want to be proclaimers of good news. Blessed are the feet of those who carry good news, as it says in Isaiah. Um, We have to make sure if we're going to preach good news, we have to be good news. Yeah, dude, that man. Wow. That's such a such a fantastic (laughs) answer to that question. And I love how you said we have to uh, we have to find what is good for them now. And we have to paint the good news in a or what the, you, we have to find their need, and we have to paint the good news in a way that meets that need. Um, yeah. And I, uh, it man, that's that's awesome. Um, and realistically, when you go into student ministry and you're talking to teenagers, um, it really boils down to a couple things, and it it really transpires yeah. over um, decades and decades of this job and. Um, what we do. And a couple of weeks ago, I got to interview Brad Griffin and he talked about the three things that every teenager desires to have answered in their lives. And it was yeah. just the basic three questions of what am I here for? What is my purpose? And basically yeah. kind of just this question of like, why me? Mm. Um, and so like, it's all this whole branch of identity. And like, if that's, I mean, right. You said like, I mean, that's the need that they're, they're wanting filled right there. They're like, Hey, I don't know who I am in this world. And we're, if you come in and address the gospel from that situation of man, you don't know who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Um, Mm. it, it fits such a, such a powerful, um, need, such a, such a huge need in their lives, but you're not going to be able to, like you just, like you just said, you're not going to be able to just walk up and be like, Hey, here, you're this, Mm-hmm. Um, it's building that relationship. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, be, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you're no, good. I, well, I was just going to say like piggybacking on what you said, like if you just hand someone a, a little gospel track, he's like, here, this is what you are. Like imagine if you just gave that to a kid who's struggling with identity, a kid who's struggling with whether he even belongs in this world. And yet he looks at a gospel track that is filled with you're a piece of crap and you can believe in Jesus. I'm like, well, that's great. <laughs> that's yeah, not going to mess me up. There's like, you need to be saved from all your sins. Like, okay. Like that's great. Like that doesn't receive as good news. Like when I was, um, I'll just, I'll just put it this way for, for all the youth pastors who may be tuning in. Um, if you want your small group leaders 
to win. And your small group leaders are struggling. They want to know how they can win with their students if they're not paying attention. Um, just have them shift gears and pay attention in different ways. Instead of trying to get them to pay attention to the small group questions, maybe over time as, you're t- as they're talking to them, have your small group leaders pay attention to what's going on in their students' lives. Ask them questions about like, hey, what are you excited about? Like what's going on in your world? And the kid could, you know, through conversation could just reveal that they're really stressed out because of school or they're stressed out because of their parents. Or And you hear a lot of these tensions that are rolling in their shoulders. Well, if he's stressed out, how do I unstressify him? Like, let me go take him out to coffee. Let me just like, you know, one of the, uh, one of the ways I did this was we had, um, there's these two, uh, two students, um, they're, they're twins and, um, they're pretty stressed out They're They're, they're pretty high achievers and their parents had pretty high expectations on them. And so I decided, um, that, uh, every two weeks that I would pick them up from school and I would take them early. I would go take them to breakfast and we go get breakfast and we go hang out. And then I would just go drop them off at school. And so their parents, you got to serve their parents and you got to serve the students because you got to kind of take a little bit of stress off. You got to throw off their schedule a little bit with something nice. Um, and you, so if youth pastors, if you're listening to this, just encourage your small group leaders and you yourself, obviously, but um, is to pay attention to how your students are feeling um, pay attention to what your students going on in your students' lives. And instead of just trying to address the needs specifically of what they're saying, hear what's going on underneath. Maybe you can't solve the, the stress. Maybe you can't make them a better sports player. Maybe you can't make them better at their grades. Maybe you can, maybe you can tutor them, but maybe you just need to address the stress. Maybe you just need to address the frustration. Maybe you just need to do something to, to address that emotion. Um, and then relieve that tension. And by doing that, you're providing good news for them. Um, and so. that's good. That's real good. Um, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think, I think that's super, super valuable. And the thing is, is kids know you care when you address issues that they have. Um, yeah. When you make that a priority in how you see things, when you make that a priority in how you um, discuss, how you focus your ministry, how you focus your teaching, Mm. Um, everything in that regard, like that is, I mean, when you ask a question and you're like, Hey, well, what would y'all like to learn about? And they're like, Oh, well, we're really thinking about this. Like, and you teach on it. Like, they're like, Oh, um, definitely have more interest and I'm a lot more invested when you are teaching on something that I actually like I'm struggling with right now. Um, and I think that kind of boils into the um, next kind of aspect of this question is, um, obviously we want to evangelize students. But then there's another layer of that to where we want to teach students that we've evangelized to teach other students or to evangelize other students. And so how do you build that cycle? Um, How do you Mm. how do you get to where you have students that are evangelizing their peers? What what does that process look like? Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, if you're not teaching your students to evangelize, you're doing them an injustice. Um, We are by little things like if we are not equipping our students to be ministers, all we're doing is we are just training them and grooming them to be consumers. And that will create a perpetual problem of consumerism that we have in the church. So if you're tired of consumerism, if you're tired of these things that create this toxic culture in Christianity, then we got to be able to be willing to, to change things up. It's not just about getting more students in the room. It's about empowering students to go reach more students. Uh, and so that being said, you know, definitely making sure you're changing, training your kids to be ministers. Now, how do you do that? How do you train your kid 
to be a minister? How do you train your students to be ministers? How do you teach them to evangelize? Well, it's for one, making sure that you're you're being well educated and how students learn. Um, students will rely on principles. They rely on things that you can tell them that they'll never forget. Um, and so for me, that's why when I have uh, my discipleship process that I created, one of the things that we teach them is that same statement I wrote in my book that people want to know that you care before they want to know what you care about. I grilled that in my students' heads all day long and they yeah. know it. They knew it every day. They knew it. They knew that statement. Um, and the little things like that will be on the back of their minds. And so instilling principles, um, tying them with Bible verses. Um, so that's another thing is scripture memory, right? Let's make scripture memory cool again. Like it's, yeah, right. it's, you would be surprised how game changing it is for a student when they memorize scripture, how much it literally can change their whole personality. If you train them with scripture. Um, and if you want recommendations for that, you can just email me um, and I can give you a whole list. I had um, in our discipleship program over the course of about an eight week process, they memorized over like 70 passages of scripture for evangelism. Um, and so those were those are very helpful for them. Um, but getting more specifically, how do you teach them to evangelize? You teach them the same way that Jesus taught his disciples. They have to watch you do it. Yeah. So. You have to be really, really practical. They have to watch you go out and minister to people. They have to watch you go and be good news for other people. Um, here, an example of what I did, and you are more than free to take this example, even though it's probably going to come as a detriment to my business, but that's okay. You know, it's for, it's for Jesus. <laughs> so one of the things that, um, that I, like I said earlier, we're having this event in April where we're going out and we're, um, we're going and praying for the people in the city of Atlanta. Um, and that was, that was inspired by something that I did when I was a youth pastor in Iowa. I had these shirts that um, I made for our students in our discipleship process that say, how can I pray for you? And the, they all got one of these shirts. And I took them downtown into the city of Des Moines. And we just walked around with our shirts with little signs that say free prayer. And we just walked around and we prayed for tons of people. And these students never have done that before. And this little girl, her name, <laughs> this girl, she's amazing. Her name's Sydney. She's a high school now. She's not little anymore, but she was back then. And she was great. Um, and so she had never prayed for someone before out loud. She, I don't think she'd ever prayed out loud in general anymore than before. And so she was so nervous to pray for someone. I said, Hey, that, that, um, that person, like if the next person that comes up to us and asks us about our shirts, you're going to pray for them. And she was like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. I was like, you can do it. Trust me. And so she prayed for someone and she was like, it, she looked like she gotten saved for the first time. And so yeah. I challenged them in different ways and we just walked around. And now because of that, she is like a prayer warrior. She, I literally had a, awesome. a former student who was, when I was up there, she was always at risk. Um, and we were, you know, we just never knew what was going to happen. And so one day she like messaged me and this is like, you know, this is like about a year ago and she messaged me and she was like, you know, Hey, can we talk? I'm really struggling right now. And this was like late at night. And so I was asleep. And so when I woke up and I saw it, I was like, Oh, oh crap. What happened? Holy crap. And I didn't hear for, for like a couple of days. And I was like, Oh my gosh, the worst has happened. And so I finally got in touch with her and I was like, yo, are you all right? Is everything okay? And all she replied was one message. She said, I'm totally good now. I called Sydney. She prayed for me. And I was like, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes. Like it was beautiful because this girl who just, you know, she yeah. was so nervous and now she just, she's so confident 
about praying that's for amazing. people and confident in ministry. It's and like that's this, just a the grand slam way. of youth ministry right there. That's right. And the little things too, friends, the little things also matter. Take them with you places and make sure every step that you take are the same types of steps that Jesus would take. And here's what I mean by that. Um, when I would take my disciples and we would go downtown, we would stop for food at McDonald's, for example. And there's, you know, there's a homeless guy out there and he's asking for money. And what do I do? I give him 20 bucks. And then I said, Hey man, you want to come eat with us? You want to come like, you want to come fellowship with us? And so he was like, absolutely. So he came, he hung out, we, he ate, we all gave him, we all pitched and gave him some money. And then we often did his own thing. And that speaks volumes because students need to know that Christians are the people who meet the needs of the people and care for the less fortunate. And so yeah. one of my students, now that he's off in college, he calls me and tells me about an, a, a situation where this homeless man got saved all because he was going to this McDonald's and this guy needed money. And he was like, Hey man, uh, do you want to come eat with me? I'll buy you some food. And so he bought him some food. They, they had a chat and then he ended up getting saved right then and there. And then afterwards he gave him like 20 bucks and he, and he was like, man, I just thought you were just going to give me food. He was like, no, man, you asked for money and I'm going to give you money because Jesus says, do not refuse the one who would borrow from you and always give to the one who begs. Like those little things speak volumes. Yeah. And you know, it's a little things like that. You gotta, you gotta let students watch you. You have to model for them. That's what discipleship sure. was in the first century. Israel was the art of imitation. And you have to let them, you have to be worthy of being imitated. Um, yeah, so. no, I mean, and that's that's taken straight out of the Gospels too. The disciples didn't just magically know what to do. That's right. They followed Jesus. I mean, literally. And so yeah. at the end of, I mean, at the end of that, like they go from people that really didn't know much to people that were like world changers. Mm. Um, and I mean, it all came from, like you said, the imitation game, like just the mindset of like, I don't know how to do this yet, but I can, I can imitate. I can do what I see in front of me kind of thing like that. Yeah. I mean, that's how the disciples learn too. That's fantastic. So this is kind of for a whole um, other conversation and we might hopefully come back to this and have you back on the show sometime sure. down the road. Um, but how do we go about moving people from evangelism to discipleship? Yeah, very. That's a very important um, distinction to be made. Discipleship is my jam. I love the discipleship, um, and it's a very important distinction to be made that evangelism is not discipleship. Evangelism leads to discipleship, but just you going and preaching the gospel is not making disciples. Um, and and I'm, I'll I'll be okay for being a black sheep in this category, but I firmly believe that all disciples are Christians, but not all Christians are disciples. Um, mm. and so for discipleship to take place, well, I'll, I'll say that for a different day. I'll, I'll keep you wanting more about what discipleship is, but whatever. So getting it back to the question, how do we transition from evangelism to discipleship? Uh, th the important thing is, well, let's, let's, let's give a scenario. Let's, we'll shape this conversation around a scenario. So do, let's, let's use a scenario. Are we talking about someone who just got saved into discipleship or moving from I'm a witnessing to you so that you could believe the gospel. And how do I get from there to discipleship? What's, how do you, what, how do you want to do that? You know what? We got time. Let's do both. Oh, let's do both. Okay. So let's do, let's do the person. We'll just do the whole journey. So we'll go start from, you know, I'll just, I'll just start from the beginning. We'll go all the way through. So <clears throat> let's say you're a youth pastor 
you are in no words where who knows where um and you have this you know you have this kid that you're wanting to minister to you have a little youth group let's be real practical let's get in your world so you got a youth group and you're trying to invite students this kid shows up he's a little bit of trouble and you're, you're, but you know, he got potential because he's trouble. You know, I, how many of us were trouble kids and then we became, you know, kingdom makers. And so, um, yeah. or, you know, and so people, you know, kingdom glorifiers. And so when you see this kid, he's got trouble. So what do you do? Well, you start, we start with the basics. And one of the things I would tell our students and our, um, our student leaders is I would there, I always say there's three E's to youth ministry. Uh, this is not my original work. This came from my from my youth pastor who discipled me, um, and I just stole it from him. And so, but I love it because it's perfect. It's three E's: encourage, enjoy, and equip. So every time someone walks in the room, they should feel encouraged. They should feel that someone enjoys their time with them, and they felt equipped. So here's what that looks like: that kid, he comes to Wednesday night. He walks in massive blue mohawk just like you know he's clearly been watching cobra kai he wants to be hawk 2.0 uh he's got a huge mohawk he's got you know he's dressed you know dressed the nine rebel kid first thing that i say to this kid love the mohawk love the mohawk so cool you're looking awesome love this whole vibe you got going on why because here's the thing chances are depending on what kind of part of the country you live in but um depending on what part of the country you live in, that kid, probably his parents don't want him dressing that way, uh, probably gets looked at a lot by other people on the street, probably makes gets make, maybe gets fun of for his appearances, probably is very insecure, but yet wants to feel unique and expresses himself in that unique way. So what do you do if you want to win with him? The very first thing you say is the one thing that he has been, you know, the one thing that makes him may, may, he may feel a little insecure about. And that's the first thing I encourage him about. So he walks in blue hole mohawk. Dude, your mohawk's amazing. Yo, I love that. Uh, tell me about yourself. What's your name? Let's say his name's, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll say his name's uh, Mike. Mike's a fun name. Um, so his name's Mike. Cool. What's that? Actually, you know, yeah. No, we'll stick with Mike. Um, Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, what do you like to do for fun? Let's use your question I always ask people. What do you like to do for fun? And let's say he says, man, you know, I like to play basketball. I like to play soccer. I like to play video games. Oh, video games. Really? I love video games. Uh, you know, what kind of games do you play? Well, I play Halo. I play whatever. Oh, cool. We should play sometime. Oh, that's awesome. Let me get your gamer tag. Like, whatever. We play. Or let's say he doesn't play video games. Maybe he just plays uh, he just plays sports. Oh, that's awesome. We got a gym right over here. You want to throw shoot some hoops? Sweet. Let's go play. I'm horrible. You can beat me, but I'm gonna play you anyways. And I'm gonna show you how good I am. And so you play with this kid, like, and then you start asking him questions. Well, why do you like basketball? Where did it all start? You know, and he tells you a story or something and you dive in, like what inspired you to like what you like? And you start just learning about them. Now they feel like they're in being enjoyed. Someone enjoys their time with them. They're interested in what they want to know about. Um, I'm a huge nerd. So my students always connected with me on that because they would just show up and they would be like, yo, what's up? Like, you know, video games, anime, Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, whatever. We're always talking about it. So it was natural yeah, for the nerd. The nerdy kids always gravitated toward me because we would just naturally talk about that stuff. But even if it, I didn't share their interests, I would make myself interested in their interests because I'm interested in them and who they are as a person because Jesus loves them because God created them. And because I love God, I should also love people. The greater my love for God, 
the greater my love for people will be. So I'm interested in these people. I want to know what they like. I want to know what they love. I want to know what inspires them. And then at some point, either in the conversation or at some point during the night, you equip them. And how we define that is we give them one tangible example of what it means to be like Jesus. So I could say, well, man, tell me how school's going. How's, how's school going right now? Well, you know, I'm pretty stressed out. I got so much on my plate right now. I'm just so just overwhelmed with all this stuff. But like, dude, I totally hear you. Well, I just want you to know, man, that um, I want you to know that, uh, well, actually, you know, we'll, we'll change the story. Let's say, you know, how's, how's your week going? How's, how's home? How's family? Well, you know, my dad, we don't get along very well. Me and my parents, we don't get along. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. They kind of stress me out all this stuff. You're like, Oh dude, I'm so sorry. Well, I want you to know that, you know, John 16, 33 says that in this world, you will have problems, but take heart for Jesus has overcome the world. And I always take that. And I remind myself of that when times are getting hard for me and things that I didn't ask for are coming against me. And I just remind myself that, you know what, I am going to face problems, but because Jesus has conquered the world, I know I can get through it as well. So a little example like that. And now you've built this relationship. Kid keeps coming back six months, four, four and six months. He's plugged into a small group. You're connecting with friends and you're doing all this stuff. And then you have a conversation. Maybe you take him out to coffee. Maybe a small group leader has a conversation with them. Maybe it's just a really good message. But at some point, you're 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 guiding the you're shepherding that person to reach the climax point where you said, you know, you've been coming here for a while. I want to know like, what are your thoughts about Jesus? And you really begin to dive in and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray because here's the thing: we can't force people to get saved. We may be the farmers, we may be the one planting the seeds, but God's the one who sends the rain. God's the one who waters it. God's the one who causes that thing to grow. And so you're praying for that opportunity and you're just saying, you know, I would, I think, I think you have what it takes to change the world. And I know that because Jesus is the one who empowers us. Now, I say that uh, because when we communicate the gospel, um, at least when I preach the gospel, um, it's very, it's not, it is focused on our sinfulness and God forgiving us. But I have uh, the way I communicate the gospel is much more we focused and helping people understand that um, what I communicate is that the gospel is that everything in this world and in your life will be made right through Jesus. It's about the reality that we live in a broken world just as we are broken people, but God will not only fix the brokenness in our life, but he will fix the brokenness in this world. And that happens through Jesus who wants to empower you to make a difference, but you need Jesus if you want to see this world made a better place. So uh, for me, that contextualizes the gospel in a way that I believe is both more biblically accurate and also is more culturally appropriate in a world where people are less concerned about their individualism and more concerned about issues in the world and things to stand for and and causes to join with. Um, So anyways, fast forward, you know, have that moment kid gets saved and he realizes he wants to dedicate Jesus as his Lord and savior of his life. And he believes that Jesus rose from the grave to liberate him from the brokenness in his heart um, and the selfish nature that, you know, that enslaves all of us. So now what do you do? Now he's saved. You know, now he's, he's a believer. He's born again. And that right there is how you begin the transition into discipleship. And that one phrase born again. And oftentimes we forget about the fact that when we believed in Jesus, we are spiritually born again. We're a new person. You're a little baby. What do babies do? They cry, they whatever. But at the end of the day, what are babies learning? Dependence. So everything that you do, 
when you're sitting with that person is you're teaching them to build dependence on God. And as you teach them and you model for them, what does it mean to be dependent on God? Just like little babies are dependent on their parents. We have to shepherd new believers to be dependent on God. That's the very first thing they should be learning is what does it mean to be dependent on God, to need God for everything, to need the Bible, to need my time with Jesus, to need these things, not because you have to do it. That's just not as as an application point, but that if we could communicate that we do this because we are spiritually born again, we are new people who need Jesus. We have to be dependent on God for everything. And as you begin to build that dependence, well, what happens? Kids are, you know, babies do not always need their parents. Eventually, they're going to start building identities of their own. They're going to start forming identities of their own. They're going to start taking care of themselves. So at each stage of a person's life, there's new lessons that they're learning. You have to keep track of what stage they are in their spiritual maturity. And so as they begin to grow, and they begin to build spiritual dependence saying, hey, I want to, this is that now, this is answering the question. Long road, sorry, I'm very long-winded. Um, long road for this point right here, this crossroads moment where you say, hey, I'm so excited that you chose to follow Jesus. Now I want to give you an even more difficult challenge. Would you want to unlock everything that God has for you? Do you want to unlock, do you, or however you want to communicate that? Do you want to be the kind of person that God created you to be? And if they say yes, and I said, then I want to encourage you to, you know, I'm, I'm very specific. So however you want to word this, you kind of take this in from within on your own. But for me, I tell our students, or I told our students, um, I said, if that's the case, I want you to go to become a disciple. I want you to enter into our discipleship process And I promise you, if you do, it'll be the hardest thing you've ever done, but your life will never be the same and it will change your life forever. And you will be able to do things you never thought you could do. Are you, would you be interested in that? And if they say, yes, we have an application. They fill out the application. We, you know, kind of do a little thing. We pray over it. We see if they're ready. um, And then we take them into our discipleship process. Um, now that could look a little bit different for you. Maybe you don't do a specific discipleship process. Maybe that just means you're taking your relationship to the next level. Hey, I want to begin to meet more often with you. I want to begin to study the Bible with you, or maybe I want to take you out with me so we can go minister to some people, whatever the case is, you have to have a defining moment for them in their minds where they are changing how they view you. You're not just the guy who says stuff on Wednesday nights. You're the guy who's has a level of authority over my life. Um, and if I ever come back and we talk more about discipleship, I'll talk about how there's three pillars to discipleship where it's not real discipleship and it's intentional investment, sacrificial commitment, and relational authority. And that relational authority piece is where the students, when they be- enter into discipleship, they have to, they have to, in their own minds, recognize you as I'm choosing to make you an authority over my life so that you have more freedom to speak into different things and they have in their own minds agreed to that and therefore committing to that. Um, so hopefully that, that helps answer that question. I think um, the conversation of discipleship, um, man, like you can't have, you can't have evangelism without pushing it farther. Um, and I love the, yeah, um, I love the mentality of like, um, <laughs> there's a lot of people that take the first half of the great commission um, and live by that. But in the grand scheme of things, like Jesus said, make disciples yeah. and then teach them everything that you know, basically. 
Um, and a lot well, of times we forget to teach them everything that you know aspect of that. Yeah. Well, it's so important because, I mean, pastors, you you need to hear this. If you're a youth pastor listening, you need to hear this. If you are not intentional about discipleship, you're not following a biblical Christianity. You're following a fantasy of idolizing some past that we have in America where you want to become the next Jonathan Edwards as if he's a person you want to become anyways. Like we idolize these great spiritual awakenings as if it was, you know, uh, something good or whatever. But the reality is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, collateral damage that has been caused because of that. You have a lot of people who their conception of who Jesus is and their conception of what it means to preach the gospel is not actually to be like Jesus, but to just be a copycat of some, you know, Jonathan Edwards or Billy Graham or whatever. 100%. Um, and, and that's not biblical. And we have yeah. to embrace that. Um, so. Yeah, well, no, I, I think that, like I said, it's a conversation for another day, but I would love to kind of come back and revisit this as far as like mm. the pillars of discipleship, just for the nature of like, I, I I don't think you can have one conversation without the other. I yeah, think there's, there's so there be, much hand in yeah. hand, peanut butter, jelly kind of thing um, that like you, you literally can't have one without the other. And so yeah. I'd love to get to where we reconnect for that. But outside of this conversation, um, where can youth pastors go to get help, whether it be for their own personal evangelism efforts or whether it be um, maybe like extra resources to like help them build that within their ministry? Um, mm. What resources do you know of? Um, I would say, man, it's so hard because I'm, really, I'm not too much of like a resources guy in terms of like, you know, oh, this is this book or this thing or whatever. Like, um, you know, for me, it's just always been very um, experience-based. Um, but I would say if you're trying to, if you want more resources on, on trying to not only evangelize more effectively, but also maybe to incorporate discipleship, um, there's definitely great resources out there. Um, it's really just all about how you leverage them. You know, we always, we, there's no such thing as this magic tool that's available to us that will do all that work for us. Any tool, whether you're looking at orange curriculum or grow, um, whether you're picking up a book by someone, it's, it's not about the tool. It's about how you leverage it, um, and how you put in the work to apply it. Um, and so, um, that was the question, right? It was like resources for like evangelism and, and discipleship. Yeah, and just any resources that would like, I guess, kind of be like an extra benefit to this conversation or. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what, you know, there are some great resources out there. Um, I know for what we do as a ministry, uh, I know my book um, has been very helpful. I, there's a few youth groups who are using it as a group study. Um, and the book is called Simply Love Jesus. Um, and if you want to do a, you know, a wholesale order for that, um, just send me an email so I can shoot you a discounted price so you're not paying full retail price. Um, but the book is packed with questions that is literally the whole book is designed to, uh, the, the whole book is designed to help people understand the answer to one question, which is what does it mean to simply love Jesus? And when we understand the answer to that question, not only do we simplify all of the complicated issues in our life, and but also the issues in our world, but we also learn what it means to live in the way that Jesus intended for us to live. 
Um, and so that book, um, I, I mean, obviously I wrote it, so I guess I would recommend it, but it has been very helpful for other youth groups who are reading through it right now, um, and helping them kind of, it's very catalytic for some heart change, um, and to helping empower their students to want to do ministry, um, because it really does walk you through helping you understand who Jesus is, helping you understand how much God loves you, why you should love Jesus, but also naturally helps you understand that loving Jesus and showing God that you love him leads you to love other people and how you can do that and why it's important and how this plays into your purpose and our purpose as Christians preparing the world for when Jesus returns. It all comes back to that question, what does it mean to simply love Jesus? Um, so that's a that's a thing that I would recommend. Um, some other sources that aren't from our ministry. Um, I love Alpha. I don't know if you know what Alpha is, but I think Alpha yeah. ministry is great is a very practical youth alpha is a very practical resource that is great for evangelism, um, especially in this day and age. Uh, and then, I mean, there's plenty of resources out there. I mean, there's, you know, there's orange and grow grows amazing. Um, if you're looking for something that's a little, um, if you're looking for something that is neither of those things, you want something a little different, maybe it's finances, maybe whatever. Uh, G shades is a new youth ministry curriculum by Mike Haynes and it's wonderful. Um, and that's a great thing to look into. It's all about everything, bringing everything back to the gospel. Everything comes back through the, and it's all about looking at everything through the lens of the gospel. Um, so those are some resources that are helpful. Um, if you want to dive more into what we do at Simply Love Jesus, again, we have a podcast, we have a YouTube channel. Um, there's a specific series that I do think youth pastors should leverage. Um, I made a, a, is it four or five? I think it's five week series uh, that's called New Christian, Now What? So maybe you want something really practical to give to your students to watch when they're not at youth group and they're a new Christian and you want them, but you want something solid for them to watch and stay engaged with. I made a whole YouTube series that actually walks through. You're a new Christian. Now, what do you do? And it literally is like your very first steps as a Christian. Um, and so that series is on our YouTube channel um, and our podcast is for young adults. And so we just navigate through life and faith through the lens of what it means to simply love Jesus. Um, and so those things have been very helpful for the young adults that stay engaged and helpful for youth ministries that also leverage those sources as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I... Uh... I definitely will be checking out Simply Love Jesus myself. Uh, I plan to buy a copy of that and look into that more. Um, and then also just, um, I love the, I love the fact that you have so many, um, so many different resources, even from like just the video aspect, like just having that in, um, in your back pocket for, like you said, the times that you can't meet with students, they're like, yeah. Hey, I know, I know you're still hungry, like here. Um, why don't you, why don't you chew on these for a little bit kind of thing like that? Yeah. Just something that they can do on their own time that will still give them, um, what they're, what they're craving. Um, yeah. If, I mean, they're watching YouTube about, all the time, you know, yeah, might, yeah, as well yeah. as, might as well as leverage that. And in the back that they're using it all the time to point them to learn more about what it means to love God. You know, like one of well, uh, my students, I recommended the Bible project all the time and they ate that yeah. stuff up, um, is very helpful, very thought provoking. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. So lastly, how can people connect with you? Social media, website, uh, any other shameless plug that you have? Go for it. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I'm. you can follow me personally at Caleb S. Davis on all platforms, on Instagram, um, TikTok. Uh, and on TikTok, I've got 
now we've got close to like 40,000 followers now. It's pretty crazy. Um, so that's been fun. So, you know, on TikTok, Instagram, it's Caleb S. Davis. You can follow our ministry at SLJ Ministries. Um, it's not as populated as it should be, um, but it will be eventually when we can bring on another another lead team member. Um, but then if you want to email me, if you got any questions, if you just think I'm just a heretic, you want to fight me, that's okay. We can talk. Um, and you can uh, email me at uh, Caleb at simplylovejesus.com. And then that also being our website is simplylovejesus.com. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And of course, just like all our other episodes, all of that will be in the show notes that you can find on our website. Um, so definitely check that out after you listen to this so you can check in with him and see what Caleb's doing. Um, man, Caleb, it's been a pleasure. Um, I've been loved, awesome, man. loved, loved this, uh, roughly an hour that we've been talking and man, I, I definitely want to get, um, connected again so we can have that discipleship conversation. Absolutely. Um, and, man, and then hopefully on that next one, I'll, I'll make sure I consolidate my stuff more. <laughs> Whereas no, this one dude, like, that, <laughs> no, uh, if anything, um, the way that we've worked it out, Carrie Newhoff, um, is a big influence of our podcast. Um, mm. And he said something, he said, you know, after 500 episodes, the thing I've learned is the more I shut up, the more I hear things that other people have never heard before. And Mm. it was like, Ooh, that's really, really good. So Mm. we love, we love the unscripted. We love the, (laughs) what most would consider outtakes that like maybe less refined because that's where you hear the gold. Um, That's where you hear the nuggets and the extras that no one else would ever hear. So Mm. definitely don't change anything. That's awesome, dude. Um, But we do thank you for being on the show. We thank you for giving your time. Um, We're excited for um, student pastors to hear this um, and man, hopefully implement some of this into their uh, ministries just because it's such an important topic. Um, It's such a powerful, powerful thing to yield in your ministry. Um, But it's also detrimental if you don't. really is and so it really is really really thrilled to have you on the show man but with that being said it is the end of our time so hopefully y'all enjoyed this uh episode and we'll catch y'all next week perfect well brent thank you so much for bringing this that conversation uh caleb thank you uh for sitting down and sharing your wisdom and insights and thank you for listening uh and taking your time taking an hour of your time uh, and listening to this podcast. And, and we hope that you were encouraged by it and inspired by this episode. Uh, and maybe you found something that, that you can use as you continue to pour into the lives of your students. Yeah, if you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, we would ask that you leave a comment and a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We would appreciate that so much as it helps us climb the ratings on all of the different platforms. Also, maybe you know someone who would benefit from this conversation. Take a moment, share this with them on social media, tag them and tag us at Talk Student Men on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also support us financially by monthly um, giving. Um, which is now available on our Anchor um, podcast website. Um, You can find links to that also on our website, studentministryconversations.org. And then you can also buy merchandise. We have t-shirts that are up and available for purchase. All of the proceeds from monthly donations and the t-shirts go straight back into the podcast to give us better equipment, give us better software, um, so we can provide more opportunities for you to um, listen and more... um, added bonuses like transcripts and things like that, that we want to add to the podcast in the future. So, 
Um, please, um, if that is something that you'd like to do, uh, take a moment and go check out how, where you can give to us. And we appreciate anything and everything that y'all can do. Now, Russell, you have next week's episode. What do we have in store for the podcast next week? Yes. Well, you know, one time somebody told me that you really can't judge your effectiveness in ministry or, or at least one way to judge that is to see where your students are three or four or five years after they graduate. Uh, and so I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk with Rocco O, and he is a student who was in my ministry. Um, he now works at a church doing their digital ministry, online TV and such. And so we're going to talk about maybe some of the things that that um, that he learned that helped him as he moved on uh, and some of the lessons he learned, maybe some of the things that that didn't go so well, that maybe uh, looking back, I could have done differently. And those these things may help you and me as we continue in ministry. And then also I'm going to brainstorm and pick his brain a little bit on um, how you do video, uh, what he does, what he does now of, um, you know, utilizing video in ministry. Uh, what are some of the tips and tricks that he uses? Just, just a short, you know, kind of question or answer thing at the end of that. So um, it'll be a, a great episode. You kind of get two little topics in there with one. Um, but he's a great guy to talk to, and I hope you are looking forward to it like I am. Man, that sounds great. I can't wait to hear the conversation next week. Just a reminder, be sure to go to studentministryconversations.org for show notes and links to this episode. Just search for this week's episode number in the search bar. But honestly, you don't really even have to do that because it should be right smack dab on the middle of the homepage. Um, and so it should be a link available for you to click right off the homepage. We also have other helpful articles and posts on there as well, including freebies and other things that we've done. Um, and so be sure to check that out. And then thank you for joining us once again. And we look forward to seeing you next week.